Are you all well? Great. Um, do you know, last week, I was sitting in the gathering. Who was here? Give me a wave if you were last, last week. Honestly, guys, it was, wasn't it special? It was so special. And now, I'm not going to do anything crazy this morning, just so you know. I felt like, hmm. Okay, so last week, Ben dunked himself six times in the pool. What could I do? You know, today's message is pretty simple. Um, And I kind of make no apologies for that. You know, as a primary school teacher, when I was teaching children to read and write, English is a really complicated language. Who speaks English as a second language? Give me a wave. Okay, you can testify to that, that it's quite a difficult language to learn. So can you imagine as a five-year-old trying to learn all the rules and grammar that comes with English? But I feel like a good teacher takes something complex, makes it simple, so that we can all apply it and do it. And so I'm going to bring you a very simple message today. Because last week I feel like Ben our senior leader, brought us some instruction. He said, don't stop at six. If you missed it, we spoke, we learned about a man called Naaman who you can read about in the book of Kings. And he was a a general in the army. And he had a disease called leprosy. And he wanted to be healed. But it didn't happen like he thought. I loved reading the story again this week because he went to Elisha and he has reputation preceded him. He was excited by seeing Elisha, and he went to him. But Elisha knew he was at the door and just sent him a message. I'm like, how rude. Do you know what I mean? Someone's at your door. The natural thing is to invite them in. But he sent him a message, and he just simply said, go and dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan. But Naaman was disappointed, and he even says he was angry. He said, I expected him to come out. I expected him to say, I didn't expect this. Isn't this way better? Wouldn't that way be better? And he had good friends that come alongside him and said, it was a good word that was given to you. Why wouldn't you do it? Thank God for good friends that in the middle of things when it didn't turn out like you thought can bring a good counsel to say to you, come on, this was good advice. Might not be the advice you wanted, but why not apply it? And so he did. And he dunked himself seven times and he was healed. But what Ben so dramatically (laughs) showed us, the temptation is to stop at five or six. Why seven? I want to bring a word to you about perseverance. You know what, when we persevere, when there is a requirement on us to persevere, the temptation that we must resist is to withdraw. You know what, when perseverance is there and you need to push again, you need to go again, you have to resist the thought of, there must be an easier way. Uh, Let me turn around. There must be, because he turned away. I want to say to you, Persevere. Persevere. It doesn't sound like something you want to hear when you're being tested. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's really hard. Has it been seven years of difficulty? Seven years of lack? Okay, persevere. 
You're like, hmm, I was kind of hoping. I was just kind of hoping there was a different answer to this. But I want to read to you a scripture that I believe unlocks a blessing, that unlocks the very thing you're looking for. And it's in King. Well, we're going to first read in Romans 5. So it's going to come up on the screen. It says we can rejoice. We can rejoice too, even when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help develop endurance. They help develop you. They help develop endurance and perseverance. And endurance does something else. It has a gift that it brings too. Endurance develops strength of character. There's another version um, that says it develops spiritual maturity. Okay, so if we persevere, when we feel tested, if we persevere, it's going to do something. It's going to develop a strength of character. It's going to develop our spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity does something also. What it brings is a confident hope in salvation. A confident hope in salvation. And this hope, I pray that your heart receives this. This hope will not lead to disappointment. It will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. His love is what gives you the strength to endure because it's slow to hang anger and quick to forgive because his love covers a multitude because his love hasn't got a run out. It, hasn't, it doesn't run out. It doesn't, you know, wane. His love, a divine love that fills our hearts. But it starts with responding to will you persevere? Will you persevere? When everything inside you says, I'm angry, there must be another way, let me turn around and see if I can go back. I pray that God will bring you good men and women of faith who will speak courage to your soul, who would speak to you and say, it is doing a good work in you. Let it complete its work. Let it produce a strength of character. Let it produce spiritual maturity and let hope the hope of who Jesus is, rise up in you. You know, the Bible is full of stories where people needed to persevere. In fact, I struggle to find a chapter where that isn't required. So if you were hoping that that wouldn't be for you, I'm just telling you, history of walking with God tells me that perseverance is going to be required. But it produces it only produces when we have a hope in Jesus. You know, there were two stories that kind of really jumped out at me when I was thinking about this sort of seven and, you know, how easy it must have been to stop in the middle of the process. What Ben said last week was stay committed to the process. Stay committed. Let it do its work in you. Let it produce and so 
The first story I thought of was Joseph. Now, you might think, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Joseph. You can read about him in Genesis, about 30 to 50, those kind of chapters. It's in there in the book, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. But he has a coat, okay? And his father gives him this coat because he loves him. Because he loves him so much, he gives him this incredible coat. And then God gives him a promise to go with that. And he says that, you know, he gives him a dream and he sees wheat bowing to him. And he, he says he's going to be a leader in nations. But <laughs> Joseph was young. He was about 17 when he got this, like, swanky coat and this great promise. A little bit arrogant, probably a little bit boastful. Went before his brothers. I don't know if you have siblings, but you know what? Isn't it like a sibling to go, did you see what mom and dad got me? Did you get one of them? You know, so I bet there was a little bit of that going on. And he goes in front of his brother and says, not only did I get the coat, but I got a promise. And this is what my dream was, guys. I don't know if he thought the brothers would be excited about this. He went, so in the future, I'm going to be this incredible leader, and you are all going to bow down to me. So he was like, oh, yeah, the brothers were like, great, mate. I'm so pleased for you. No, I don't think that's what happened. What actually happened is they plotted against him. And this promise, this coat that he wore, was torn off him, and he was sold into slavery. But the promises of God are not taken back just because the situation looks bleak. And so he goes into slavery, and he goes into a house of a captain. And guess what? He gets new clothes. He gets a new coat. But the captain's wife is jealous of Joseph because she wants him to be in a relationship with him, but he has good character, and he says no. So she feels a little rejected. He runs away, and guess what? He leaves his coat. So she uses the coat to accuse him of something he didn't do, and he ends up in jail. So in jail, he starts wor working. He starts, you know, everything that's in his hand, he does it for the Lord. And he starts interpreting dreams. I was like, interpreting dreams? Hmm, let me think. How did that work out for you, Joseph, the first time you did that? <laughs> What's funny is that, give it time, Yeah? Give it time to mature, because he did the very thing that got him into slavery is now about to get him out. Sometimes you won't go back because you think you knew how it went before. Imagine if he wouldn't interpret dreams because he knew how it went before. Let God do his work in you. Go again. Go again. And so he starts telling dreams, starts interpreting them. And he says, if you go before the Pharaoh, don't forget me. What happens? They forget him. And he stays there a little longer. He's <laughs> like, okay. Like, but he's still there, still faithful, still trusting God. Then the Pharaoh has a dream. And the guy who was meant to remind the Pharaoh goes, oh, yeah, there was a guy in prison that does this kind of thing. And he brought him before Pharaoh. And now, do you know what? Before they brought him before, they changed his clothes again. 
and the Pharaoh hears what he has to say. And he's basically, Joseph says, there's going to be seven years. Here's this number, seven years of plenty. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And this is the instruction. This is how we're going to handle this hardship. There is a process to this. We're going to be good stewards when it's going well. And when the famine hits, we're going to have reserves to draw on. And so what does the Pharaoh do? He gives him another coat. It says he gives him a garment of fine linen. Here he has it again, but he has matured shoulders that it sits on. And now all of a sudden he's in charge of the nation and its provision. Pharaoh says, there will be none greater than you other than me. Sounds a little bit like a promise he gave him some time ago. What you see is mountaintops and valleys and failure and success. The Lord used as a ladder, every step getting him closer to the calling and the promise of God on his life. And here he is, and his brothers come before him, and they bow, and the promise is fulfilled, and their family, and all the hardship, and all the bitterness that went on between is restored and healed. Do you know why? Because what was arrogance and sort of just young kind of immaturity, if you like, has now matured. And so now the mantle, when we say mantle, we're talking about the calling and the purposes of God, is hanging on shoulders of a character that's mature, of a spirit that's matured, of a confident hope of who Jesus is. And that's why he gets to extend the love of God. The Bible is full of stories where people needed to persevere and what looked like failure and what looked like that God wasn't with them actually was the very thing that was drawing them closer to their healing and to their blessing. There's a woman in Kings, the Shumanite woman, and you can read about her in Two Kings. Um, It's about eight where I'm going to pick up her story. But she's a married woman. And it says that she was wealthy, and she recognized Elisha as the man of God. And she decides that she's going to use her provision to make him a room. I feel like this is the first Airbnb that we can read about in the Bible. So she makes him an Airbnb, she makes him a room, and this relationship between them, this friendship grows. And because of her dedication and her hospitality, he wanted to bless her. So she then has a son. Sadly, her son dies, and she goes back to God. Where would you run? She goes back to the man of God, and she says, hang on a minute. I need your help. And Elisha brings this son back to life. Up, down, up. Life can feel a little like that. So after all this, Elisha comes back to her and says, guess what? There's going to be seven years of famine. Seven years of famine. You need, to, you need to take your family and you need to go anywhere. He says, go anywhere you can, but don't remain here because there's going to be seven years of famine. She could have decided this is a lot to leave. Remember, she was a wealthy woman. So she had houses and she had land and servants. She could have thought, well, that's a lot to leave. Who's going to look after this? But she is faithful to the word of God, even though 
it's tough. And she goes, you can, let me tell you, it was a sentence where it says seven years of famine, seven years of lack, seven years of hardship, seven years in a foreign place feeling like you don't belong, seven years of wandering, seven years of thinking of what you had and what you lost and what you don't have now, seven years of trusting. And I want to pick up this story now in 2 Kings 8 and read to you what happens. So she comes back to the land that she left after the seven years of famine. And she goes to the king. And if we can have the verse up, that'd be great. Okay. And Gehazi, which is a servant of the king, was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. And that very moment... The mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and her land. Look, my lord the king, Gehazi explained. Here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one that Elisha brought back to life. It is this true, the king asked her, and she told him the story. I just need to pause there. She told him the story. Your story, Jesus in your story, is not just for you. It brings release to you, but it brings release to others. It's important you tell your story. So she goes before the king, and she tells him her story. And on hearing her story, this is what he did. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything that she had lost was restored to her. Her land, her house, everything was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. More and above. God won't just match your faith. He won't just give you what you expected because he is the God of exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever hope, imagine, or dream. This is the God we serve. So when you get to the end of yourself, you should take courage, you should take heart, you should have a confident hope, because that is when God steps in. That's when you start to see his majesty, his power, restore and bless. Restore and bless. Seven years were not only given back what she left, but abundantly more. Anything it produced, anything she missed out on. Some of you are so, and I, and I include myself in this, there have been times where I've been so worried about missing out on opportunity. What if I leave and all this crop produces a harvest? What if I go this way and I, and I miss out here? If your feet are following Jesus, you won't miss out on anything that he intended for you. If your feet and your hearts are following Jesus, you will see not only restoration, healing, but blessing. And I encourage you, when your spirit wants to go, isn't there another way? Wouldn't it be better if? 
I want you to lean in. You know, we've spoken so much recently about a mantle. I just want to explain to you, for those who've just kind of recently joined us, a mantle is it's basically a cloak, like a coat, if you like, but it represents the promise, it represents the calling, represents the grace of God. And over the last couple of weeks, we've said about that we are the hanger. We are the hanger that God's calling sits on. I want to say to you that your shoulders are important in this. Your shoulders are the thing that gives that cloak its right shape. Who has a nath hanger in their wardrobe? Right? You know what? When the one thing is kind of broken, you just know by the time you get back into that cupboard, it's going to be on the floor. Right? Or you have a hanger that makes it look like it has no shoulders because it's just drooping down here. Or you have a hanger that has such sharp edges that when you take your coat on, it still has the sharp edges that the hanger kind of left there. It doesn't hang very well. Has anybody got these kind of hangers? I once hung a coat on like trousers, you know, like a hanger for trousers that has these. And I just had these like all the, all the time. I was like, what's up with your coat? It didn't have a great hanger. Just saying. Sometimes the calling of God doesn't quite look right because it's sitting on an immature set of shoulders. You know what? The coat that Joseph received from his father was a good coat. But his shoulders hadn't yet matured. His character hadn't yet matured. His trust and his confidence in who God was hadn't yet matured. But I bet when the Pharaoh put those garments back on him, I bet it sat a little different. And so... I want to pray for your shoulders today. By the way, I'm just, I don't know why I'm giving you this like a little bit of information, but I'm just letting you know. I really good give a really good shoulder rub, okay? I really do. So I feel like I can't go around and give you all a shoulder rub, but what I want to do right now is I want to pray for you. And I pray that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will just rub your shoulders. For those of you who say it's been a hard seven years, for those of you who said, you know, I'm in year six and I, I'm not sure I've got year seven in me. I want to rub your shoulders. Would you stand? Would you stand with me? I thank you, Lord, for all the stories that are captured in your word so that we may be built up and have courage. I thank you for the perseverance and the endurance of the men and women that have gone before us so that we could see how it turns out. Some, you know what? We already know the ending, guys. We live in the victory of Christ. We already know the ending. Spoiler alert. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and below. Below. Spoiler alert, you are a daughter, a son of the Most High King. The Holy Spirit has empowered you so that you may do greater things in His name. Spoiler alert, it works out for you, for those who lean and trust not on their own understanding, but in Him. It works out.